Sicha in Parsha Shlach. This is the first Sicha in Parsha Shlach. So, of course, the whole story of Shlach is that they send the Meraglim to Losur Esaoretz. They came to check out the land of Eretz Yisrael to give back Moshe Rabbeinu a report. And then, of course, they come back with a report that the people are too difficult, they won't be able to conquer them, and uh, the Eden don't want to go to Eretz Yisrael. The only exception was the two, Yeshua and Kolev, and they basically um, changed the things around, you know, for, for some of the Eden, and um, in this particular posik, uh, this Sikha, the Rebbe is explaining the Rashi's several Rashis on the Pasuk of Vayahas Kolev, that Kolev silenced them. That's what the literal meaning of Vayahas Kolev is, that he silenced them. So, um, Rashi, the Rebbe brings down, so what does Rashi quote from the Pasuk? He silenced the people, and he tried to get them to listen, and he turned things around. As we'll see, the Rebbe brings down from the Rashi later on, he started, they thought he was going to say negative things about Moshe Rabbeinu. And at the end, he turned it around. He was actually saying positive things. Well, let's start in the order of the Sikha. The Rebbe starts with the first Rashi. Rashi says, Vayahas kolev es ha'om el Moshe. Rashi quotes. Rashi quotes, Vayahas kolev. Kolev made quiet. And Rashi explains, Hishtik es kulom. So he silenced them all. So what, what is Rashi trying to tell us over here that, Rashi, what's Rashi's commentary? So when you, at first uh, approach, when you take a look, so it seems like Rashi is coming to interpret the words Vayahas. That Vayahas means that he silenced them, Hishtik, he silenced them. But the Rebbe says if that was true, so then, Number one, why would Rashi quote from the Pasuk also the word Kolev if he's only explaining Vayas, if that's what he's explaining? And number two, because there is another Rashi at the end of all these Rashi in which Rashi again brings down the word Vayas, and he says that Vayas means Loshin Shtika, means to make them quiet. And Rashi brings examples from other places where Has means silence. So, how could we possibly say that here in the beginning Rashi is saying what Rashi is trying to say, that he silenced them all, he's just trying to ter- interpret the word which Rashi really explains on the sense. So it must be that there's something else over here in this first Rashi. The other thing is when Rashi says after he says he says eskulam what does Rashi have to add the word as kulam? Number one, what is it telling us? What is the chiddush? It says in the Posik. Posik says, Vayahas kolav that kolav silenced the people. So we know already uh, that he made everybody, the whole people, uh, silence them. So why, why, why is Rashi saying as kulam? And number two, even if we're going to say, that just the word Esa'om, you would not know that he meant the whole people. Rashi wants to say, explain that. But that, so then, 
Rashi is really explaining the word Esa'om. Not the words Vayahas Kolek, that who, who did he silence? So how come Rashi is just bringing down Vayahas uh, Kolev and not on Esa'om, and he says it as Hishtik, he should say Esa'om, means as Kulam. So how does this fit in together with what Rashi just said, Hishtik, that he made them all come? Hishtik as Kulam. What does it mean, Hishtik as Kulam? So we'll see, the Rebbe has a whole other take what Rashi is trying to answer over here. The Rebbe in Ois base is trying now to say uh, perhaps the second question that we just asked, what is the meaning of Eskulam, all of them, when it already says in the Pasik, Eskul Ha'om? So maybe this is something which has to do with Rashi's interpretation of Hishtik, that he silenced them. So the Rebbe brings down from the Targum Unculus. The Targum Unculus is usually a translation which is very similar, close to the simple meaning of the verse, because we see that Rashi himself many times brings evidence, brings down a proof from the Unculus. How does the Unculus translate the words Bayahas Kolev? Vayahaz Kolev, he translates Vayatsis Kolev. Atsis Kolev means that he made it, that he didn't silence them, but he made them pay attention. He made them listen. Vayatsis, he made them listen. And we find that Rashi also, there's an, uh, a similar uh, translation when we use the word Haskis Ushma. So Haskis means pay attention and listen. So to make somebody listen to something, that could be, so the word has, bayahas could mean that. And there's another possibility, bayahas could mean from the language of hasosa, persuading. Bayahas means he persuaded. We could say that Kolev persuaded them. Uh, and according to these interpretations, so what does it mean, um, he persuaded the people or he made the people listen? So then it means very simply, in a simple meaning, that Kolev made the entire people listen to Moshe. Or he convinced all the people they should listen to Moshe. Which means that they should be on Moshe's side. That would be according to those interpretations. But since Rashi explains here that the Yas means that he silenced them, so we have to say it would seem that Vayahas Kolev doesn't mean he didn't silence the people. Why? Because we don't find in the previous verses, the Psukim, the Torah only records that the Miraglim were speaking. It doesn't say anything that the people around them were speaking as well. So, when we would say, Vayahas, he silenced, who did he silence? He had to silence those that were speaking. So, who did he silence? So, we would say, he made the silence was only the, the spies. He made the spies silent because they're the one that spoke. So, why does it say, we would say, Vayahas, Kolev, Esa'om, that he silenced the people? So, we would say, no, no, no. The Vayahas, Kolev, means... The Maraglim. And that's so, um, doesn't mean who is silenced, but it means 
for the goal, for the purpose, he silenced the Meraglim, so that the people, El Ha'om, which means that the people should listen to what he said. He silenced the Meraglim. So, and that's why, Rashi has to say, no, 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 that's not the Pshat. Rashi has to say that the Pshat is Hishtik as Kulom, that Kolev made them all sound, not only the Meraglim, but also the entire people, because the Pasik says, Vayas Kolosom. Somehow all the people were murmuring as well. So the Rebbe is trying to explain here that the reason why, perhaps the Rebbe is suggesting, the reason why Rashi has to say as Kulom, because since we don't find that all the other people were speaking, so it's kind of hard to say that Vayahas means that he silenced. You can't silence people that weren't talking. And one would therefore interpret Vayahas that it means that Elohazom, that so that the people will, 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 will start to listen, but not that he silenced them. And that is because Rashi translates Vayas means Hishtik, that he silenced them. And that's why Rashi brings down the words uh, as called Elohazom, to tell you, no, 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 he silenced all the people. But the Rebbe says we can't say this answer because number one, uh, it's very difficult to say Vayas. We, what would we think Vayas Kolov means that you made somebody else silence Esom because of the people. Uh, Rashi doesn't really have to reject that. The Rashi would not have to tell us that. And number two, if actually Rashi means as Kolov means that the whole the people, so then Rashi should, should have quoted even the question that we mentioned before. So Rashi says, say, bring down the word Esom because Rashi is telling you who he silenced over here. So the Rebbe doesn't accept that, that interpretation. Okay, so we're back to the square one. Why does Rashi bring down as Kulam? Why doesn't Rashi bring down the, head, the heading for this? That's the second part of the first Rashi that we don't understand. Further, the Rebbe is going to ask on the next Rashi. What does it mean, El Moshe? Yes, El Moshe, to Moshe. So Rashi explains that they wanted to pay attention, they wanted them to hear what he's going to say against Moshe. El Moshe doesn't mean that he was saying something to Moshe, because it doesn't have to, it doesn't make sense, he quieted them. What does it mean to Moshe? No, but here it means about Moshe. That Kolev was about what Kolev will speak, not to Moshe, but what Kolev will say with regards to Moshe. So, the question is, what forces Rashi to say that Vayas means that he silenced them, and therefore Rashi has to say El Moshe means that to the words of Kolek that he speaks about Moshe. But why can Rashi say Vayas means like the Targum says, either that he made them listen or he persuaded them, and then when he would say El Moshe, that he made them listen El Moshe to Moshe, or he persuaded them to be on Moshe's side. Instead of saying, he silenced them to hear what he's going to say about Moshe. Even if you're going to say that in Rashi's view, the only interpretation that you can say is Vayahas means shtikot, means silencing, does not mean make them listen or persuade them. But still, 
you could learn El Moshe means in the simple meaning. That Kolev made them, silence them, El Moshe, meaning so that they should listen to Moshe. So Moshe silenced them to Moshe, meaning because Moshe wanted to speak and he made them quiet to Moshe. So, why did he have to silence them to hold? See, they were all talking, talking. He silenced them. Too, but the Pasuk doesn't say that Moshe said so. Anything. But it doesn't mean what Moshe literally will say. We could say that Kolev may silence them with the argument they should listen to Moshe. As Actually, there's some commentators learn to sign. Or El Moshe means they should listen Moshe's opinion. That he's going to tell them. So El Moshe listened. He wants to sign to Moshe to hear what Moshe is going to say. Or at least to hear Moshe's view as it will be presented by whom? By Kolek, but not about Moshe. By Yemir Oli that we could go up. So it either is going to mean by Yas El Moshe that, what, that he silenced them through his argument uh, to Moshe. And through, through his silence, that he silenced them, that they should go on Moshe's side, listen to Moshe, hear to Moshe. And afterwards, Kolev said, so first he silenced them, so they should listen to Moshe. And then Moshe Kolev goes on and says, no, we'll go up, we'll inherit the land. Why does Rashi have to say that Al Moshe means what Kolev is going to speak about Moshe and not to Moshe? Say still, even if we say silence, we say it goes to Moshe. Further, Rashi explains to hear what they're going to say about Moshe, that he made them all quiet. They should hear what he's going to say about Moshe. So Rashi explains the tactic, the technique, that how did he accomplish that everybody should listen to Moshe. Made them all quiet. So they should hear what he said. Because why? Because what he was screaming and he was saying, is this the only thing that the son of Amram did for us? Now the people thought, ah, he's coming to say something negative, derogatory about Moshe Rabbeinu. So now because they were already upset on Moshe, they had their heart against Moshe because of the Meraglim. So they were all silenced. They all wanted to hear, oh, what kind of a good gossip, what kind of a bad thing, what kind of a derogatory thing will Kolev tell us about Moshe? But he switched it around. So they all listened. They tried to listen to what he's going to say, derogatory. But he turned around. He says, but no, did he then not tear the sea for us? Did he not bring down the mana for us? Did he not bring down this love, those fatty birds that Moshe Rabbeinu bought. So he actually turned it around. Instead of saying something bad, he showed them that Moshe Rabbeinu did something good. So the Rebbe is questioning this Rashi as well. How does Rashi know that he specifically talked about these three matters that he did for them? Rashi quotes three things. He split the sea, he brought down the manna, and he gave them this love, the birds. But Moshe, we know, did for the Yidden many more things. Starting from the main thing, the exodus of Egypt, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. 
Why is it important specifically these three things that Moshe Rabbeinu is mentioning them that Rashi brings down? Furthermore, the question is even greater because when you look at the Gemara, which is, looks like that's the source for Rashi's in- interpretation, and the Gemara, it says that Kalev said, actually, took us out of Egypt, he split the sea for us and he gave us the manna. Rashi changes it. Rashi takes different the Gemara. He doesn't bring down he leaves out Hitzionim and Mitzrayim, and he brings down From the fact that Rashi changes it, so we see that Rashi has a kavona specifically in these three things, as the Rebbe will explain. The Rebbe will explain later on that these three things directly challenged the arguments of the Meraglim. The arguments that they had set forth as a reason why they didn't believe the Yidin will go to Eretz Yisrael, these three things that Amram ben Amram did for them, the Moshe did for them, as the Rebbe will explain, that directly challenged those arguments, and therefore, specifically, those are the things mentioned by Moshe Rabbein. In Ois Dalet, uh, Rashi also, when he says the tactics that he used, um, no, I say I'm sorry. Then finally, what did they argument? So what did they say? So what does uh, he say? Oloi nale. The Pesach says, he says, we will go up. What does that mean that we will go up? So Rashi says, even if in the heavens, if Hashem says, go make ladders, go up to the heavens, go up to the sky, will be successful, whatever she said. Now, this is a whole new thing over here. They were discussing about going up to Eretz Yisrael, right? Olinale. They said, we will go up. Kolev says, we will go up to Eretz Yisrael. But Rashi says, no, no, no. What Olinale means here, they're saying, that even if Hashem told us in the heavens, that it's in the heavens, and He says to us, go make ladders, go there, we will be successful. So in the simple meaning, Olinale means to go in Eretz Yisrael. Whenever, uh, like we said before, what did they say? What did they even say? Loi nuchal lalis. The Meraglim said, we will not be able to go up. So what is the other part of it? Uh, the Meraglim says we will not be able to go up, which means, they didn't say we're not going to go up to the sky, right? They were talking about Eretz Yisrael. To counter that, what does Kalev says? We will go up. So how does Rashi, what does Rashi get this idea that they're going up into the skies, that all in Allah, even to the heavens? Some of Farshim say that the proof from Rashi is the duplicate language, because it says, Oloi Nale. So there's something more than just going up. If he was only talking about going up there, it's Israel. Then he should have said Nala instead of Oloi Nala. But the Rebbe says we can't really learn this because we find in many places that in order to emphasize something, you don't just say the act, but also the source of the act. Like we say, for example, it says Yorek Yorak. And also in our post, it says Yochoil Nuchal. So we can say that Olin Nile means Eretz Yisrael. The reason that we're duplicating the language is to 
emphasize and strengthening this idea. Why does Rashi learn that this means that we can even go up to the sky? Where does Rashi take that from? Finally, at the end of his commentary, in the Pasik, Rashi says that Vayahas is Loshishtika. Vayahas means silence. And Rashi brings various different examples to it that Vayahas means to silence. So the Rebbe says, what, what is Rashi waiting with his commentary that it means shtika until after Rashi explains Olo Naila. After saying, we will go up, we'll go up to the heavens, even this shot, then he says Vayas. Why does Rashi wait till him? So the Rebbe says like this, we could explain why Rashi first says El Moshe that much we can explain. Now, Moshe, that uh, he started telling bad things about Moshe, because this comes, that part comes as a follow-up to the first commentary of Rashi. Rashi says, that he made them all silence to hear that which he's going to speak about Moshe. So Rashi says both uh, samples together, both, both commentaries together. But why is he also explaining the words Oloi Nala before Bayas Loshashtik. Why did Rashi leave that to the end? Anyways, so we'll do a Zion. So here is what the Rebbe explains. The Rebbe explains like this, that with Rashi's commentary on Bayas, Kolev, and El Moshe, uh, in these two Rashi's, Bayas, Kolev, Hishtik, Eskulom, and also El Moshe, by using the tactics uh, to silence them so they hear what they say about Moshe. So Rashi is in a, by the way, manner, answering two questions which is going to, uh, which are problematic when we learn the Pasuk. Number one, the problem is, what does the Pasuk mean when it says, Vayahas Kolif, that he silenced? The Pasuk could have just said that he started Vayemer Kolif, He says, we will go up and we will inherit it. Just tell the argument instead of saying what he did first, Vayahas. Why is it important? Why does the Torah have to tell us this additional matter that before he said he silenced them all? Why do, need to, why do we need to know that he silenced them all? Let's just tell us what he, what he said, his argument. That's the first thing that Rashi is answering. And number two, the Miraculum didn't just say, oh, we're not going to be able to capture Eretz Yisrael. Furthermore, they Matter of fact, they didn't at all say that you can't take Eretz Yisrael. That's not what they argued. They only said, what did they say? They said, which means that, however, the nation that lives in the land is a very powerful one, is a strong one. So, from this, you can understand, you, you, don't, you understood, that you can't go to Eretz Yisrael. They didn't say you can't go to Eretz Yisrael, they just said it's a powerful people. So, before Kolev could do anything, first of all, he has to contradict their arguments. And only afterwards would he say Ole Nale. What is he starting to say Ole Nale will go up without answering what they said? They, 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 they came on a logical argument. They said it's a very powerful people. He should say they're not powerful, or 
Why is it all in Allah? So these two questions, Rashi explains with his commentary in Vayas Kola for Nel Moshe, as the Rebbe will explain. The Rebbe explains like this. When you want to challenge, contradict, upschlagen somebody's argument, you want to uh, take away an argument, especially when a person is very strong in their opinion and their argument. So in most cases, the person won't even listen what the second one has to say and won't even consider it if the other one may be correct. And even if he does listen, he doesn't pay attention. You're in the heat of the argument. You have one point of view. You have an argument. You won't even listen at all to what anybody says. So Rashi comes and tells us that Varus Vayahas Kolov, that consisted of that he silenced them all. He made them all silence, not just the Meraglim, but also all the Yidden which supported, which went along the Meraglim. To the extent that even the Meraglim themselves, which were trying to convince the people that we won't be able to go, they too were silenced, became quiet, and they listened to Kolev's speech about Moshe Rabbeinu's greatness. Because they thought he's going to talk bad. So before you can even give a counterbalance argument to challenge the previous argument, you got to keep on making quiet first, and you have to make everybody quiet and not just everybody, them and the Maraglim, everybody, so at least they'll pay attention to what they're trying to say. And that's why Rashi only brings down the words Vayahas Kolev. Uh, not just Vayahas, because Rashi's intent over here is not to translate the word Vayahas, which he's going to explain at the end mainly, but Rashi is trying to tell you what is taking place here. Why is Vayahas Kolev? That Kolev silenced them all, even those who wanted to listen to Moshe's uh, bad, bad about Moshe. He silenced them as well. That they also listened and paid attention what he's going to say about Moshe. That he made them listen his words about Moshe, about Moshe's greatness, Moshe's mildness. So he makes them, he's telling them, so what is this about? So we're talking about nice things about Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu is a nice guy or a bad guy. That wasn't the issue. What was the issue over here? What was the issue over here? The issue over here was whether we could go to Eretzrol or not. We're not talking bad about Moshe. That wasn't the question over here. The question is, can we go to Eretzrol or not? But Rashi says... That he made them sons of Moshe because he wanted to say the greatness of Moshe and the Yidden were interested in the shame of Moshe. Why were they interested in the shame of Moshe? They weren't talking about Moshe's shame. If the Meraglim were talking about the shame of Moshe, so then we understand that through his words about Moshe, Rabbeinu's greatness, he contradicted the argument of Meraglim by telling them, look what a wonderful man Ben Amram is. 
But the Maraglim did not speak about Moshe altogether. All their argument was, they argued, that the people that are living in the land is a very powerful one. So how is this going to influence them by speaking about Moshe Rabbeinu's greatness? It didn't answer their, their arguments. She said something about their arguments. How is he answering that? So therefore, Rashi says that he spoke about such greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu, which wasn't just talking about Moshe Rabbeinu, but this was a direct challenge which totally threw away the arguments of the Meraglim, as the Rebbe will explain. So we're not just talking about saying nice things about Moshe Rabbeinu versus bad things about Moshe Rabbeinu, but to say such things about Moshe Rabbeinu which would challenge all their arguments. What was the arguments of the Meraglim? That consisted basically of three arguments. Number one, they said that the strength of the people and the strength of the cities in Yisrael itself, which they said, He says the people that live in the land and those cities are very fortified. We also saw the children of the giants. Basically, first argument was that they're very strong, strong people, fortified cities, very difficult. Number two, they're also saying the next thing is that also on the path, on the road, too, even before you're going to come to Eretz Yisrael, there is also the seven nations to deal with. You have the Chiti, Yevusim, Meri, Yeshubahar, they're sitting in the mountains. They're not going to allow us to get to Eretz Yisrael. So forget about, there's one thing about fighting Eretz Yisrael, then until how do we get to Eretz Yisrael? And number three, when they were remembering, when they were mentioning the Meraglim, about the nations that are on the path to Yisrael, they first of all, they threw in Amolek, Yoishu Beretz HaNegev. They started talking about Amolek, who sits in the south. But what does it got to do with Amolek? Amolek is not of the seven nations. And Rashi explains, why did they talk about Amolek? Since they already had a bad experience. They got burnt with Amolek before, so the Maraglim mentioned it in order to scare them, to frighten them. So that's why they're bringing up Amolek. So these three aspects in the words of the Maraglim, this expressed various different kinds of uh, ideas and arguments which created the conclusion that we won't be able to go, to, to go up. And it's understood that the order of the argument goes first the lighter one and then we go the stricter one. First of all, they argued that because of the strength of the people and because of their fortresses and the great cities in Eretz Yisrael, you can't conquer them. But that argument alone wasn't suffice for them because they knew that Yidin, as believers, sons of believers, so therefore they for sure believe that since the Abishtha told them to go to Eretz Yisrael, he will for sure make miracles and uh, they have already experienced God's miracle and they will able to conquer a stronger people. So therefore, they came up with a idea and they said 
let's mention Amalek. And what they were trying to hint over here is that just like by the war with Amalek, the Jewish people got burnt over there, as mentioned earlier, and therefore they themselves gave a uh, created that place that this would be that the dog the Rashi says that they came and they will bite them. And Rashi says because they started asking because the Yidden started saying questioning is God here or not. So you see, they started to tell them, look, you might get burnt, not because the Abishter is not going to take you. You might get burnt because of your own fault, because you're going to doubt Hashem. And when you doubt Hashem, you see what happened with Amalek. The, 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 Miraglim, the Miraglim were trying to hint to them that this might happen again. Since they didn't have again a doubt, why do they have a doubt? Because the proof is, they are the ones that came to Moshe to say, let's send people to us, before us, and let them investigate, let them scout the land. So, they didn't rely on the words of Hashem. Hashem told them, I'll take you up from the poor Mitzrayim to a land which is good and wide. So that means that they had a doubt in that that the Abishter promised them. This would be similar to their question that before Mamalek, Hayesh Hashem Birkir is Hashem or not? So he's trying to, so maybe it's possible because of this sin, the Abishter was not going to make miracles for them. So first of all, they're powerful people. The second thing he's saying, you may not deserve it. Maybe you're because you're going to be doing a sin. Maybe you're not going to, maybe Hashem isn't going to protect you. But also that argument, they weren't sufficient for them. Because even after the Yidden said, let's send the spies, the Abishter agreed. And he says, send the people. So, so this sending the Miraglim was an introduction. You should go to Eretz Yisrael. So Hashem would certainly give them the power to conquer Eretz Yisrael. So therefore they added a third argument, they were saying these all of the nations are sitting by the side of the Jordan and because of that they won't be able to pass through. They were trying to say that even if the Ebrister Hashem will show the miracle by the conquering of Eretz Yisrael because he told the Yidden to conquer Eretz Yisrael but there is no proof that he's also going to make miracles also by those matters that are only a preparation to conquering Eretz Yisrael, just to go through the other nations until you get Eretz Yisrael. So they were trying to uh, persuade the Yidden and to tell them that there was a problem, there was a real problem with going to Eretz Yisrael. And this is why Kalev told them three things which Moshe did for them. First of all, he split the sea and he brought down the mon and he brought the slav. And through this, he challenged all the three above mentioned Agudum Ragdom. When their argument, when they said, that there is a powerful people that are sitting in the, um, they said, that was the answer. He split for us the sea. By Kriyas Yamsuf, there should have been a war by Kriyas Yamsuf. 
because according to nature, they could not be victorious over the armies of the Egyptians. And yet, you saw that a Korolonos Hayom, Hashem split the sea. There was no war of there at all. Hashem waged the war for the Jews. And therefore, also now, Hashem will wage the war for them with the nation that's in Eretz Yisrael. And this is the reason why Kolev's told them about splitting the sea and not the exodus of Egypt, because he wanted to answer their argument that the nation is very powerful. And that is connected, they're powerful, which means there's a war. You know, they'll have to wage war against the people in the land of Israel. So he can't bring a proof from the exodus of Egypt. The exodus of Egypt, there was no situation of war over there. The contrary, the Yidden, the Mitzrayim were pushing the Yidden out. They told them to get out of Mitzrayim as quickly as possible. But he brought the example from Korolona Sayom because by Kriya Siamsuv it was Hashem Nilchamlem. There was war, but who waged the war? Hashem. So basically we're starting to tell you, when you're saying that the people are powerful, don't worry about powerful people. Because when Hashem wages the war, you don't have nothing to worry about it. What about the other argument that they said, Amolik Yoshev that he's sitting there, and which means that, you know, you sins and you're, you're doubting Hashem. And the, so he answered them, He gave us the slob, which means... This argument, who is going to give us meat when the Yidin were complaining? And they were just looking for an excuse, as Rashi says, they were looking for some excuse to complain. And yet Hashem gave them the slope. So that we understand that even after sending Meraglim, the Ebishter is going to show them miracles. It doesn't matter that they are sort of uh, challenging Hashem. Um, and they didn't rely on Hashem because we see that Hashem gave them even in a case where they were just trying to pick and, 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 and start up. And then on the argument Vachiti, Vaivusi, Yarden, those are on the path way and way. So he I gave them the answer, Hashem brings us the mon. The mon that was in the desert was not a major uh, aspect. The entire journey of the desert, it was only a preparation to come to Eretz Yisrael. And yet Hashem gave them the mona. That means we can derive from this that the Ebrister is going to make miracles also en route by the preparation to conquer Eretz Yisrael. They don't have to be afraid of all the nations that are in the way. So based on all this, however, so this difficulty is since that he made them all quiet to Moshe by telling them that Moshe's greatness and he sort of challenged all their arguments. Why did he have to add and say that will go up? Already told them, you don't have to worry about it. Something new he's telling them. The arguments were said before. That's how we challenged them. How does Rashi know that he challenged them? As the Rebbe learned, because we have to say some answer to them. So therefore, those were the answers. Rashi brings down from the Gemara. It changes around a little bit. But those were the answers. So why is he saying, Olim Nala? So we have to... And you can't say that after uh, challenging uh, all the arguments of the Meraglim, 
which is hinted in the words El Moshe, because he spoke about Moshe's greatness and he told what Moshe did for them. So he just concluded the conclusion of all this is all in because the language of the verse Vayoymer Olinale, it's evident that that's something specific. It's not just the conclusion of El Moshe that is. So therefore, Rashi learns Olinale means not to go into Eretz Yisrael, but something new, even if it is in Bashamayim. Kolev wanted to add something new, that even when Moshe should would tell them go make ladders and go up to the heavens which is not only a matter that you need miracles, but it is totally not something which is in the existing in the world. Even in such a case, we're going to be successful in everything that he says. And after Rashi explains the connection from Bayaz Kolev to the argument of the Meraglim, which I brought in the previous Shokim, uh, which it's not so important the exact meaning of the word vayahas, what exactly it means. He explains also the translation of the word vayahas means silence. And similar to Rashi in the beginning of the Sedra, first he explains shlach lecha uh, and the word anoshim. And he explains lamanismacha, why is this next to the story of Miriam? And then he brings again the word shlach lecha without the word anoshim and he explains additional details. We'll continue with Oisyud uh, base over here in the Sicha and Shlach, in the first Sicha in Chelik Ches. So, the Rebbe says, so the Torah has, uh, Rashi has what's called the Yenoshel Torah, the wine of Torah, which is the secret of Torah. So the Rebbe is going to bring out to see that Kolev in essence, reached a uh, more important level than even Yehoshua. Uh, notwithstanding the fact both of them, Yehoshua and Kolov, the two of them did not participate in the advice of the Baraglim, but yet there is specific advantages which one had over the others. Uh, what was the advantage of Kolev over Yehoshua? So we'll see it like this. Kolev, but Yehoshua, it says that Moshe Rabbeinu prayed for him. He's called him, Yehoshua, So he was saved through the prayers of Yehoshua. As opposed to Kolev, he went and davened by himself. It says, Holach v'nishtatrich, he went to Hebron and he davened there. So he prayed that he should not be persuaded with his friends to be in their council and there what they were going to do. So basically, there was Moshe Rabbeinu who protected Yeshua, but Kolev had to fend for himself. Number two, in the beginning, Yeshua and Kolev spoke together. And then Kolev speaks by himself. So when Yeshua and Kolev speak together, what do they say? So we're going to contrast what happens when Kolev speaks by himself later on and by what Yeshua and Kolev said together. So when Yeshua and Kolev said that you will able to go into Eretz Yisrael, 
So what did the people, the community do? All the people, even those who didn't really weren't persuaded to go with Koyrach, but yet they all wanted to stone them. They wanted to kill uh, Yeshua and Kolev. So you see, Yeshua could not silence, could not have the other people listen, as opposed to Vayahas Kolev, it says, he made them all silence. All Yidin listened to him. Even the Meraglin themselves listened to Kolev. And number three, when Yeshua and Kolev originally, when they said, don't be afraid of the people of the land, they explained it logically. Because what did they say? They said, their shadow, their protector, has been removed. He says, though, the righteous ones of them died, so there's nobody to protect them. So they were explaining it logically. But Kolev said, in addition to his arguments logically, well, he split the sea, he also, which contradicted their arguments, but what did he say? He added, We'll go up even to the heavens. Which means that even if Moshe would say something which is totally impossible, it's noise. It's impossible, and there is no logic to succeed. We will still be successful. So again, three. The Rebbe explains that uh, Yeshua and Kolev's original response was a logical response. What was the logical response? They said that the uh, people in the land were protected by the righteous, they had righteous people, but the righteous people died, so they'll no longer be protected. So that's a logical argument. But in Kolev's argument, after first uh, rejecting their arguments, but at the end he comes across with a supernatural approach. He says it doesn't matter. Even if we have to do the impossible, we can still do it. And the Rebbe says these three matters, the fact that Kolev prayed for himself and Yeshua was prayed for by Yeshua, this actually, these things are connected, these three things. Um, Sometimes we know we're trying to connect something from above to something below. We're trying to connect the spiritual with the physical, the human being with Hashem. We're trying to bring together. So sometimes there is a, an advantage to bring something from below to above. When you work on your service to Hashem, that has an advantage over just Hashem enlightening you, or giving you, infusing you with a love to Hashem. So what is the advantage? Two advantages. Number one, when you bring something down from above to below, so since you're getting it from above, it's like a gift given to you from above, so that does not, because it's coming from above, it does not uh, sort of penetrate to the lowest or to the lower part. Because it's like somebody giving you from above, you didn't work from it, so you don't really fully absorb it, as opposed to when you elevate yourself, so then we're having the lower part is being elevated, so that really gets it. It's like 
Uh, the difference if you have to work out an idea, let's say you're studying, and you have to, you don't understand something, you figure it out, so you get it a lot deeper, more, because it comes from you below, then look, somebody will just teach it to you, so you may not get it fully, 100%. So it's more absorbed when it comes from below. That's number one. Number two, when you refine and you bring up the lower level, so then you're fulfilling, so to speak, the desire and the yearning, so to speak, from Hashem, of above. Hashem wants you to work hard. Hashem wants us to work hard. So, it turns out that since you are really fulfilling the Hashem is what He wants, that you're going to be bringing down a much greater, a much higher light than the light which would come down on its own. Because that way, because you are actually doing what Hashem wants you to do, and therefore you're bringing down this higher level. So therefore He explains like this. It's only Kolev, which was saved from the spies through His own davening, which is that was from below to above, it was specifically he that had the power to silence them all. He was able to cause a negation, to negate and also elevate also those that were very low, even the Meraglim. And through this, he, they were able to raise also the lowest level. And when they raised the lowest level, they were able to bring down a light which is limitless at all, which even absolute impossibility, there's no such thing as a possibility. We can go up to the heavens also. So that's why by Kolob, we say you can't go up to the heavens, even to that level. So what is, the Rebbe says, what is the instruction from all day above in our service? Every Yid, in any place he should be, find himself. And the reason why a person is in a certain place, that everything comes from Hashem. Hashem The steps of man are prepared for by Hashem. Hashem makes you be there. So therefore, you are a shaliach from Hashem to make that place where you are into Eretz Yisrael. That your surrounding, in which you find yourself, should be such in which you should be able to recognize the same Eretz Yisrael means that Hashem is always there. What is Eretz Yisrael? Not only a Shabbos and Yontif, but you can tell that this is a place where Hashem is. So since a Yid knows that Hashem does not come with unfounded complaints, expectations from His creations, especially when you see that many from your friends were successful in this shalichas, and they took their environment and they turned it into a Jewish environment, Eretz Yisrael. They make it a Jewish piece of land. So therefore, he believes that he too has the power to make your surrounding in Eretz Yisrael. Others have done it, you can do it too. However, the Yitzhah comes and he starts to argue with you, with a person, that you have very specific difficulties. In your case, you have a difficult place, and there is no proof, you can't bring evidence from other people, from your friends, that 
were successful in their shalichas. And the Yitzhahara is a craftsman, a professional in his craft. So the Yitzhahara finds arguments to each one that fits to that person. So to one person, the Yitzhahara argues that your environment in which you find yourself is worse than all others. As ha'om ha'yeshev ba'aretz gomer, the nation that sits there paraphrasing the verse, the people that sit there are very strong, which is basically saying that the materialism there is so strong, it's even more difficult than in the entire world. That he tells to one of them, that's your excuse. The other one, he gives another excuse, that you, the person who needs to do the job, he says, you're not fit to such holy work altogether. You know, you've failed in your own personal life, you may have not made mistakes, you've done things, you are not, you can't expect yourself that you can do these things. And for a third person, the Yetzirah can come with an argument that until you're going to be able to do the shalichas and overcome all uh, side obstacles that prevent you, they would not allow him to make that place for a Mokum Torah. So these are all these three arguments that the Yidden, the Rebbe says that the Yidden were arguing over there why they can't go to Eretz Yisrael. They can't go to Eretz Yisrael because the people are uh, very uh, uh, strong over there. The second one is saying that maybe you don't deserve because you doubted Hashem, because you sent the spies. And to the third one he says, well, you have to go through the Amalek, which is on the way. So, what is Hashem's response to it? Um, he split the sea, he brought down the mono, and he brought down these bad birds. That even in a situation, that in your around, or surrounding, you need to overcome a tremendous force of materialism. In other words, it's true that you have a lot of obstacles, it's a hard hardcore, there's a people which are tough to sort of accomplish. Uh, and even in a situation that the Yid that needs to accomplish sort of stumbled, he, he sinned. And there's many other side obstacles. Even to the extent that there's such difficulties that he, it seems to the person that to fulfilling his mission is something which is impossible. You know, it's like climbing. Can you climb to the sky? You can't climb to the sky. There's no way I can succeed. There's no way I can be successful. But the Abishter always gives you the strength to break through all difficulties and to fulfill Hashem's mission. We do have the opportunity. We do have the ability to do what Hashem wants. All these arguments that they had, the Yidden had over there, not good arguments, because you can really do it. However, the Yitzhahara is called a Kluginker. I mean, it's very sly, smart, smart Alec. So he comes up with a new Amaslo, a new untrue. He comes up with a new argument. So he says, yes, it's true that a Yid, when you do the Shlichus of Hashem, Hashem can do anything. There's nothing I pull Hashem Dover, you can break through all difficulties. But Hashem himself says in the Torah 
that when you go to war, the coin will make an announcement that a person who's afraid and is soft in heart should go back and return back home. Because if you're going to be victorious in a war, you must go with strength, with certainty, that you will for sure be victorious. You can't hesitate. You can't go out to war and wondering, am I going to really do it? So, his argument is, the person argues, since that from time to time, you are doubts, you have doubts whether you will be able to accomplish your shlichus, so maybe you better off go back home and sit back home and forget it. So this is the instruction that we learn from Kolev. Kolev himself was afraid, actually, that he should not be swayed by his friend to be in their council. And yet, he did not neglect the mission that Moshe Rabbeinu sent him. But what did he do in the Shtatich al-Kibri He prayed, he spread himself out over the graves of the forefather, which means in a way from below to above, through his avoidance. And that way he impacted that not only should he be saved from the council of the Meraglim, but on top of it, he silenced them all. He turned around even the Meraglim, that they too listened to his words. Only They said, they listened that he said, we will go up. The Rebbe says, through this type of conduct, not to become impacted from none and, and, and affected by any kinds of difficulties. To make no considerations you have, don't take any considerations, any calculations. Just to continue with the work to make the place for a place of Torah, to make, uh, uh, which is making Eretz Yisrael spiritually, then we will merit to the fulfillment of Hashem's promise that Eretz Yisrael physically will also expand into all the lands with the coming of Mashiach Tzidkenu, Yovi Galenu B'Korim Mamish. This is a Maimer Nasicha of the portion of Shlach Shavatov Shin Chavav.